Hello again. Welcome to another episode of Grit and Glitter, a weekly podcast dedicated to the power of women's wrestling. It is Sunday, January 28th, 2024. Three days ago, the Wall Street Journal reported that a former WWE paralegal was filing a lawsuit against WWE Vince McMahon and John Laurinaitis regarding the three years that she worked for WWE, during which time she was the victim of just nonstop uh, physical, mental, emotional abuse and torture from Vince and Johnny Ace, of uh, being trafficked to other employees, of having explicit photos and videos of her shared with thousands of people, according to her lawyers, members of the staff, other wrestlers, uh, her being used as a bargaining chip in trying to get Brock Lesnar to re-sign with the company, just a mountain, a mountain of literally 67 pages long is the the official lawsuit filed in Connecticut. I made it to page 12, and, I, and then I was like, I can't do anymore. Yeah, sorry. I'm going to jump in here and just say, I same, I could read a very few pages of it before I was like, gross. What is, I can't, I can't actually read the details of this anymore. I just need to, to know who's involved and, and what the general scope of it is. Cause man, is it vile. And even to that extent, it's like, okay, we don't really know who's involved because by all indications, it's, uh, it's one of these things where it's like, oh, the whole system is rotten to the core. Mm-hmm. Vincent John Laurinaitis are the two names named, but there's a couple of paragraphs of, you know, unknown people who, in legalese, it says will be referred to as corporate board member number one, corporate board number number two, and the plaintiff says that, you know, this went on for years, and like tons of people knew about this, and they all turned a blind eye. They couldn't care. The only time that they ever really cared was when the Wall Street Journal did their first two articles a couple of years ago now, or a year or two ago now. I think close to two at this point. Yeah, and even then, they're like, oh, then the board made a show of, like, oh, we're going to look into this. This is serious. And even at that point, it's like nobody interviewed her. Nobody came to talk to her, and the only thing they were really cared about was, like, the money. Hey, where'd the money go? What did Vince do with that money? They didn't actually care about, like, the, the victims or about, like, the... Yeah, I mean, I, the actual people involved. Mm-hmm. It's... Um... It's pretty tough to stomach, and I've got a pretty strong stomach. I can usually tough it um, through the details, but man, oh man, it's one, it's just another atrocity uh, of Vince McMahon and what he and his culture of yes man and cronies have been able to breed and allow at that company, and it is so disheartening that nothing ever seems to get done and nothing ever changes with this man to, and with this company in this regard that so many generations of quite talented performers have had to go to work feeling unsafe, have had to potentially be used in similar ways. You know, this isn't the first story that we have of um particularly women being used as sexual pawns. Uh, Lita has talked about it in the past. Um, 
Ashley uh, uh, Massaro has talked about it, you know, I mean, (laughs) talked about it at length and no one listened to the point of, of, you know, her death. And it's just so, so, so absolutely disheartening to see happen time and time again and nothing ever changes and no justice um, (laughs) ever comes for, for the victims of, of Vince McMahon's absolute terrible abuses of power. And I'm happy that this lawsuit is so thorough um, and that, you know, we're, we're beyond just some allegation territory or he said, she said, because there's, there's damning evidence in there. Um, I couldn't make it through all the tweets, but it, or the text, I mean, um, but it's, it's damning. And um, we'll see how this, shakes out in the court of law. 1992, we had referee Rita Marie come forward and say, uh, Vince raped me in the back of a limo six years ago. Nothing came of it. 2006, the Palm Beach Post reported that Vince had exposed himself and tried to force himself on an employee at a tanning salon in Florida. And nothing came of it. You know, that's a 20-year gap between those two there. And now it's been another 18 years. This is coming out now. There's a lot of more evidence this time. The FBI uh, fully subpoenaed Vince's phone. And so they have lots of texts. They have lots of other things like that. Hopefully that will be the big difference maker this time. Hopefully, you know, Vince, it's one of these situations. Like Vince is like 78 or something like that. It's like, even if he goes to prison, like big whoop. You know, it's 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 a full Harvey Weinstein thing. It's like big whoop. He's got like ten years left in his life anyway. Like, what does that but mean? But how can we dismantle this at the company level? It has to stop. Like, this cannot keep happening to people who are employed. Some of them not even like in this case. You know, it's it's a full time employee. But remember, some of these people are independent contractors who are coming in and getting their absolute um, they're they're, they're brains and bodies destroyed for this company and you know there has to be a change of culture at some point someone's got to come in and say this has to stop and we can no longer allow this to happen and i mean it's it's at least four decades of this if we even go back to the ring boy scandal so i mean this is nothing new this is a very clear pattern of behavior and case after case after case we see the same sorts of things happening with mcmahon and it, it gets a little bit of conversation and then just fades into the background of all the other fucking terrible things he's done. Yeah, you get Triple H coming out at a press conference and saying, let's just focus on the positives. This is like one of the best eras for sports entertainment right now. It's been a great week for sports entertainment. And it's like, how how oblivious and rude and cold-blooded can you be, even if you don't want to... Con- like, and to say, oh my God! To say like, oh, I, I didn't even, I didn't even read the the document. Really? That's the part that galled me. Even if you don't believe it to be true, if there's a 67 page document filed against your company, your former and boss, your, your father in law, you don't even, you're not even interested in reading it. Even if you think it's all bullshit, you're like, oh, just out of curiosity. It's just like, no, 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 that, whatever. Somebody will give me the gist. It's like, you have daughters, man. Come on. You have, I mean, but also his wife's been used as a pawn in the same exact way 
for entertainment. So, I mean, he knew what he was getting into when he married into that family. Yeah, the whole thing, you know, the plaintiff finding this now, it's not about money for her. It's not about like trying to fix her own mental and emotional health because that's going to be a long process for her, obviously. It's literally in, in the statement released by her lawyers that said she hopes that her lawsuit will prevent other women from being victimized. She says uh, the organization is well aware of Mr. McMahon's history of depraved behavior, and it's time that they take responsibility for the misconduct of his leadership. It's an incredibly brave thing to do because, look, people have tried and failed, and she's had to suffer some absolutely grotesque abuse, just some of the worst stuff I've read. Like, it actually, it sickens me. And I, I commend her for having the wherewithal to be able to relive this for the for the near future again and again because that's not easy and it it really does take a lot of courage and a lot of strength to be able to withstand the scrutiny and the um the some of the hate that's going to come her way because of this as i said the filing was filed on thursday so this week as we know with the legal system it could be years before you know could be a year and a half before this goes to trial, before we get any sort of furthering of this, any sort of resolving, uh, resolution to any of this. So we'll keep watching. We'll keep hoping for a happy ending for her, for all the other women involved, women like Ashley Massaro, women like uh, Terry Runnels, who said back in the day that Lesnar exposed himself to her and yep. nothing was ever done about it. And now, hey, look, here we are, here we are again. Here right? we are again. Same names, different decade. Yeah, so that's all we can do is give them their hopes and their well wishes. We are going to be talking about the women's Royal Rumble match this week because, honestly, that's what Bailey and Candice LeRae and all of them deserve, right? They don't deserve us to, like, ignore, the, ignore their efforts. Cargill! <laughs> can we just mention, finally, we get to see Jade Cargill in action again after months of... of Flying her craft. So can we can we talk about the exciting moments? Can we? I want to turn away from the crap. Oh, the, yeah. The one moment there was one moment that had me shaking out of like joy and, and excitement because I was so shocked to see Ooh. to see her. Okay, let's get down to it. Let's okay. talk ripple. Tell you what, we'll go to the theme song. The Glitterati are here as well. M has some of the gang talking about Effie's Big Gay Brunch Tampa a show filled with wonderful people that we love and support. Jackie and I are here to talk about the Royal Rumble. <sighs> Breathe out, exhale, let's do this. Let's go.
to say, like, by BGB, so we're at Big, um, Big Gay Brunch 8 now, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, when the first Big Gay Brunch happened, it was like, whoa, Big Gay Brunch? Wrestling show? My goodness. Mm-hmm. And now, within a quick, like, within a quick turnover of, like, eight shows, it feels like a, like, it, it feels like a mainstay in a way. Like, it's only a couple years old, and yet it feels like it's been here for much longer. Uh, there's, like, a comfort to having a BGB roll around, because we get a couple a year now, and it ever feel it doesn't feel as much like a big, explosive, like, mega event. But in a way, I actually prefer the fact that it feels more lived in at this point because, you know, now we're like, okay, we've got our recurring characters. We have our storylines that work through BGB. We have, we have, you know, people who make their first appearances and we look forward to seeing them again. And, and we know there will be another time. I think one of the nice things about getting past that, like, oh, this is a really special, like, big first new thing is now well, you're a staple. Like, Effie has created a, like, staple show that's going to happen a couple times a year and you can kind of mark a calendar for it. Yeah, and I think, like, the other thing, I think when the first one happened, um, a lot of people were like, you know, like, how can you fill a show with just, you know, queer talent or something like that? And now it's how can we fit all this amazing queer <laughs> talent into one show? Right. Exactly. Exactly. I, I think that's one of the best things out, that has come out of the, the continuation of big gay brunch is that like, we can fill this show, like watch us. We're going to fill the show and then some. Plus like whenever it was on the West coast last year, you had more West coast talent and um with this show and big gay Thanksgiving, you have more Southern talent. And there was even one in um, England this year. That is correct. Yeah, I keep forgetting about BGB, like the the uh, uh, big gay tea time. Big gay tea time. That I should have been. I I stand by my original comment that if you're gonna go over there, you should have called it big gay tea. <laughs> <laughs> For all of the reasons. All um, the reasons. But, it keeps falling off my radar. I keep forgetting that that show actually happened. I feel like it's a kind of a fever dream of like, oh my god, it got they, it's it's so established that they were able to go. They were mm-hmm. able to go. Abroad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So this time around, we've got Big Gay Brunch eight, and it took place on Saturday, January twenty seventh, and uh, it was based this time around in Tampa, Florida, which you know, a super fr- gay friendly state. You know. Yeah, like the the um. Florida, of course, is the opposite of that. Um, and every time that there's a wrestling show, especially like a queer forward wrestling show that is happening in Florida, it behooves everyone to kind of make a comment of the fact that like just as happening is a statement, just as happening in that state of Florida is is a statement. And this was no exception. We got some great rem- opening remarks from Poyo, um, who served as both host and also wrestling manager throughout the show and w- jumped on to commentary. Who else was on our commentary team? This was a this was an eclectic crew. <laughs> oh God, yes. We had um well Chris Riddle was the um, mainstay. Mm-hmm. Um and he's a um he's a commentator from, from the town and south. Um and then we had some visitors, um, starting with Nick Gage, Asha Slamovich, um, Cole Radrick, Billy Dixon, and Alec Price. <laughs> Which I love Alec Price. He's, 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 I love him. 
What was your comparison to Alec Price on commentary? <laughs> I remember when I, oh, he sounded like Ted. He sounded like Ted. <laughs> um, couldn't, couldn't have put it better myself. Uh, absolutely true. <laughs> absolutely true. Um, yeah, so Big, BGB has been, the commentary is typically a little tighter than this, as far as like the number of people and like the rotation. We've gotten the uh, Val Capone and Beta, uh, like their, their duo on BGB in the past. And they are like, just, you know, they are a machine at this point when it comes to that, that, that duo is a machine when it comes to BGB and, and their commentary together in general. This one, it, it felt, it felt like it matched the show because, and I'm not saying that this wasn't like a good BGB. This was, this was a great brunch. Um, this is a great show as, as typical. This one felt like it was a little looser, a little bit mm-hmm. more of a variety. It felt a little like more kind of scattered parts and, the, and a lot of like matches with, without a clear storyline that was running through them, um, a, a bunch of debuts or people who don't regularly appear at the brunch shows. Um, so that was really exciting because we get to see some new faces, get to see some new matchups, keep things interesting. And the commentary really reflected that because it felt like every match there was like a change in the commentary lineup. And I was having this like bit of like whiplash effect of like, okay, wait, who who am I listening to now? Yeah, um, I mean, Nick Gage is always interesting, I guess you could say. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that d- d- damning with faint praise there. You know, um, and um. Yeah, I mean, like, I thought everyone did a pretty good job. Um, you know, can't complain. Yeah, kudos to Chris for holding down the fort and kind of keeping things. Um, keeping oh, um, yeah, what I was thinking to say, um, I think Beta was on a certain boat this weekend. So uh, I don't think that, I think that's why they weren't, they weren't available for the brunch. No, I mean, and honestly, give, let, let's give Beta, let's give Beta a break. Let's give Beta chances to do other things. Um, I I'm sure they were working. <laughs> I'm sure they were working. I'm sure they are they never doing... not working. <laughs> that, that, that is a that is a household that is never at home. Um, okay, so let's dive in a little bit. So we had we had a roving cast of characters on the commentary. We had just as much variety when it came to the matches themselves. We won't we won't dive through everything because of course. Uh, we know you're also listening about the Royal Rumble and we don't want to, we don't want to take up too much time, but like, let's talk about some of the matches that, that stood out. Um, I was really thrilled to see the, the opening match, uh, Keita Murray, who I just, I just love. I love Keita Murray. See, I, I'm, I, I just saw Noah, like the last, um, Thanksgiving and I freaking fell in love with him. Oh, they, they, this was a great opening match. These mm-hmm. two had such good ring chemistry. Yeah, yeah, I thought it, I thought it was an amazing, amazing way to open the show. And um, yeah, just definitely want to see Noah back. Regular yes. GCW shows at the front shows, um, you know. <laughs> Um, yeah, and we're, I mean, this is a lot of like we're gonna be doing a lot of manifesting in this conversation because uh, John and I were, will both be at Big Gay Brunch Nine in Philadelphia in April. So um, you know, I would love to see any number of these people that were on this show make a return in Philly. And I feel like based on some of the regions and operations of uh, where people are located, uh, based on some of that, I feel like we will see some returns in BGB nine, but uh, yes. Uh, don't know if we'll see Kita and Noah back on the BGB nine card, but I'm so glad to see this. I, I love when big a brunch can highlight um, 
can highlight a variety of wrestling styles within the realm because I think that like, you know, there's still this idea of like pigeonholing um, queer wrestling into like one thing or another. And Big Gay Brunch has done such a great job of highlighting wrestlers who are of the LGBTQ plus spectrum, but bring also a huge variety of styles to their wrestling, as we'll talk about. And Kita and Noah just like de- delivered right off the bat. Speaking of styles of wrestling, what's what's the most unique style of wrestling you can think of? I, I think the creeps probably have that. Um, <laughs> so, yes, let's get to talk about creeps much. And it's a shame because they are a delight. <laughs> they are the most lovely folks you'll ever meet. And they oh. just have like a style of their own. And they just like, went went all in with it they're like this is this is who we are and um they're great i love them i was so thrilled to see them on this card uh you and i both joked that this is actually like this was a match that we have seen we have seen creeps versus runway um or you wait were you not at the i wasn't there thing? you've seen it yeah. i've seen it um, enjoy sponsored, enjoy wrestling sponsored a, uh, a wrestling show, a show at a like outdoor slash kind of indoor, uh, local festival in August. And one of the, one of the many great matches from that card was creeps versus the runway. And, uh, yeah, but it was fun to see it at a, at a BGB. It was fun to see it kind of in a different crowd. Um, and also just fun to be able to like really see all the action. Cause I was watching from home. Um, and these two teams, I honestly would love to see fight again. Like, j- just two really charismatic, really wonderful to watch tag teams with very defined styles. Lots of really fun play here. If you are looking for a just, like, technical showpiece, you're not going to find that in these matches. But you are going to find a lot of really fun spots. You're going to find a lot of, like, great Not that they're not pretty wrestlers. They are. But they, <laughs> like, they like to have fun. But they like to have fun in their character forward, and that is also perfectly good in wrestling too. Like let us let us celebrate all aspects of what makes great wrestlers great wrestlers. And the runway and, have and their characters down, and creeps have their characters down. Everybody is on on the same page here. And whenever you're talking about the runway, you get to see some ass. You know, there's going to be ass cheeks out, and there were there were absolutely ass cheeks out in this one. And then, curiously to me, we see the we see creeps like pick up the win here, which I thought was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm always kind of curious about who and why people go over in the in this particular show. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it was cool to see them make their debut and then get the win. So from there, we had Rico Gonzalez versus uh, Impact Wrestling Star, or TNA Wrestling Star, Jay Vidal. Great match. I mean, Rico, I mean, both of these are, you're not going to get a bad matchup of either one of these. Um, both of them are incredibly talented, athletic, and um, great personality. So athletic. I got so tired just watching them. <laughs> <laughs> they just never stop. They just don't stop. And and Jay, oh my God, they're just like, Jay is a like personality factory and just like pure, like pure charisma, pure charm, pure energy. And then throwing on top of all of that, just nonstop, nonstop in the ring. Um, Rico was the same. The the series of kickouts that Rico did like late in the match, um, just so, so good leading to, of course, Jay's finisher and Jay picks up the win here. Uh, it's always great to see Jay Vidal in, in a VGB ring. It's always great to see Jay Vidal really given a chance to do a lot of wrestling because mm-hmm. um, yeah, in TNA, have- it's really not so much. It's not 
their main gig in TNA. And that's fine. Like, I would love them to, you know, discover how amazing Jay Vidal is as a wrestler. They haven't gotten there yet. Maybe, maybe this will be their year. Maybe this will be the breakout year. Um, we had a scramble match, a gay scramble match. Gay scramble. I think that's, that's literally what they call it. They weren't getting very cute with the names. They were just like, it's a gay scramble. <laughs> that sounds like something you would have for brunch. Mm, what's in a gay scramble? Okay, so what is what is the gay what is the gay scramble for what that you're eating? I mean, like your gay scramble, like it would definitely have to have like glitter on it, right? Yeah, like edible glitter. Or um, yeah. I saw this quote from, like, there's, like, a kid's quote, like, Instagram that I follow. And the quote was, Parmesan cheese is glitter for your spaghetti. And so maybe it's, like, like glittery Parmesan cheese on top of your omelet. Sounds good. There has to be sausage, right? There has to be sausage. <laughs> it's, a, it's, like, a, it's a bunch of breakfast tacos stuffed with, like, um, like, Eggs, like scrambled eggs and sausage topped with glittery Parmesan. And ice cream. And, and, then, and a scoop of ice cream. <laughs> God, that sounds gross. <laughs> we just invented the grossest meal. Grossest meal ever. Lots of really fun work on this match. Um, lots of, lots of, again, lots of character forward wrestlers, which mm-hmm. I really enjoyed. Yeah, and we got to see Caitlin Marie. I uh, was so excited to see Caitlin Marie in this match. I love her. So did you hear what match she had just announced recently? No. Um, a very gay, very credible match coming up at um, BXS against um, Ziggy Heim. <gasps> so, so exciting. So exciting. Oh, that to be incredible. I just, just absolutely psyched for that. <laughs> Um, so great! To I, I just I love Caitlyn. I think she has like, like her promos are just like off the charts. Um, she's she, she's so much fun. Who does she remind you of? Because she gives me big vibes of like a like a you know a big indie wrestling woman of your. But I'm like I have a hard time of like nailing it down. Well, it's like a Becca vibe. Yeah. But like a different, you know what I mean? Like a different character, but like same like. Kind of like promo style. Yeah, absolutely. Has that like a- attitude? Has that character work in her like fully in her promo? It's not like just like a straight up promo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Oh. And yeah, I loved. Fun. Um, I thought Ron did great too. That, that so- the big man dive was incredible. Oh my god, I was worried for him. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but so good. Lots of I love a scramble where you've got like really distinct people, like distinct mm-hmm. wrestlers in them. I mean, no shade to GCW, but oftentimes GCW will have scrambles where it's like five guys who I have a hard time telling apart. Mm-hmm. Yes, or like other companies, just like five dudes in like a uh, black shirt and jeans. Yeah. You know, yeah. like all right. Jace yeah. <laughs> Carson versus Dan. Johnson versus <laughs> little Steve and Grassmite. <laughs> like, and they're all just guys in trunks. They're all mm-hmm. just guys in, in like in like in tights. Like, it. I. Well, that's I, that's why I love the women's wrestling and queer wrestling because you're typically you're 
not very often going to get some person in just black trunks and a t-shirt. It's true. <laughs> it's true. And I, I don't mean to be dismissive of the wrestlers out there who are working the black tights and, and t-shirt look like you, you respect to you. It's just, I, I, especially in a scramble, it's important to have some variety there. It's important to like for the audience, if there's not like some intense like reason for everyone to be competing, it's nice to just have a variety of people featured in the ring so that as an audience member, there's, there's different things for me to watch in the midst of this. There's different things for me to pay attention to. There is variety for me to like to hold my attention. Um, so yes, uh, we see Soraya Saber take up the win here. Um, I had never seen Sigrid, daughter of Tyr. I think I've like I've like seen them before. I don't know if I've like seen one of their matches before, but they, I, they I like the I like the style. I am in. On, I'm all in on Seagrid, so uh, I need to find where they are currently working so I can see some more because I am into this aesthetic. I'm into this style. I'm always down for a like wrestler who's working in that Viking mode. Absolutely. More Seagrid, please and thank you. <laughs> um, Billy Dixon returns to Big Gay Brunch against not Akira? Akira? <laughs> Made Kira? You wrestled in Crocs? It, yes. And a, and a <laughs> gorgeous, gorgeous pink pigtailed do. Mm-hmm. Love, 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 love. <laughs> um, yes. So Billy Dixon uh, has not won a BGB match, if I remember correctly. Um, was coming in with a uh, loss record. So a complete loss record. So this was exciting because Billy Dixon picks up the win here. Um, this match is a little nuts. This <laughs> is real. They they get into some wrestling here. This match was real goofy. <laughs> I mean, you have made Kira to begin with, so yeah. I mean, it, it's going to be goofy. This is going to yeah. be violent. Yes, goofy. And violent. <laughs> Again, this is kind of what I'm talking about when it comes to the, this particular BGB. Is like there the tonal shifts on this. It, it stayed real loose, and then you would get matches that got real intense. You get like Jay and Rico, who like like Jay comes in like you know super high energy, super charismatic, party party and fun. But like the match very quickly becomes super intense, and then you get. Billy Dixon versus Maid Kira, and it's like showing this. To, I, and I, I say this as a high compliment. You would not show this match to just anyone. <laughs> you know, if I am showing it to the right person, the right person is going to flip out for this match. But mm-hmm. if I am showing this to just random John wrestling fan, no, mm-hmm. no, not going to. No, work. you don't think Meltzer would love this match? I think Meltzer would be very confused by this match, but also this match isn't for Meltzer. And that's what I love about BGB. There's so many matches that are not just, that are for specific audiences and that is okay. You get enough variety on a big gay brunch where you're going to get something for everybody and not every match is going to be to your style. I am sure there are people in the room who are like, Warren is, who aren't super up on Billy Dixon versus Maid Carol, although it did not sound like that. I feel like everybody in the room was definitely here for it. But in general, not every wrestling person is going to be into every match that is on these cards, but that's fine. That's why you have a variety. That's why you have the next match is just a big boy match. 
<gasps> okay. Okay. So good job, Billy. Glad, but glad for the, 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 the enjoy these shenanigans. Uh, I hope I see more made Kara. Uh, what a, what a, what a weird, wonderful time. What a weird, wonderfully violent time we had. Let's talk Paro versus Karam because mm-hmm. me, you gotta know me. I love a, a beefy boy battle. <laughs> this was my favorite match. So like, let me tell you this. The first time I like saw Pro like online or whatever, it was before I ever saw him wrestle. And I just started following him because he had cute pictures and costumes with his boyfriend. Mm-hmm, I'm like, mm-hmm. this big man is adorable and I love him. And he is scary when he is in the ring. <laughs> so, yeah, because Para for me has been such an interesting journey of like, getting to know a wrestler kind of by their, their sort of real life. Like they're, they're like more like they're, but, but they yeah, let yeah. you see. In such- yeah, but they let you see. So like, like same Don, because I saw them probably first like online, um, you know, championing LGBTQ wrestlers and, you know, sharing cute pictures of them and their, their partner, like, so, like him and their partner. So like, like I'm getting to see this like cuddly side. And what I love about big gay brunch Paro is that he's, Full monster, full monster. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no like, like joking around or anything. No. Comes out bloodthirsty looking, looking ready to kill. Everybody's like flipping in the bird. Like, like he is, he is a heel and he's over as a heel in, in BGB, which I love. That's, I mean, I was one of the few people that are just setting with, you know, pretty much every big gay brunch, you know, maybe with the exception of like the Europe one. Um, he's going to be there. He's going to do his thing. He's going to leave. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he's a fixture. I think he's been on most of the BGBs, if not all mm-hmm. of them. Yeah. And it's great. Like, you should, like, I like the variety. And I like the idea that we get some new faces on each of these um, cards. But I also do like that there's continuation. I want to see some of these regular players because I do want to see kind of the evolution of these of these of these wrestlers in these characters in these in in this setting uh for Paro, that just means i want to keep seeing how he's going to destroy people mm-hmm. yeah, and, and i mean i would say that like core people that are there all the time i'm gonna say probably like arrow billy Sheik, and book bussy i would say i've been at pretty much mm-hmm. all of them if not all of them, you know yeah and that makes sense that that's like that's the core that's the core of the group that started this this journey and that's where we are like it's it's good to have them as the center so this match rocks the gay cornerstones the gay the gay cornerstones our gay hearts <laughs> our gay heart and soul and then um the next match was um freaking incredible um dark chic against um Shea Monet which um we need more Shay in the states. We need more Shay everywhere. Just absolutely incredible. Need more Shay. I mean, obviously, Dark Sheik was great too. <laughs> we get to see Dark Sheik a lot. Like, Dark Sheik is a known quantity, and you aren't going to get a bad match from Dark Sheik. So, mm-hmm. what's great when you have Dark Sheik going up against somebody who is new to Big Gay Branch, um, and is kind of just generally like just on the up and up, like we get to pay attention to both of these wrestlers, but we know Dark Sheik's going to deliver. Like, we know that. So then our attention, we can feel free to, like, kind of pay a little bit more attention to their opponent, to 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 Shay, and it's like, 
that's great. I think that there's a brilliant genius in booking a established known quantity, a like favorite and icon against somebody who could like could use that attention. And we mm-hmm. get that here. And I thought this match was absolutely fantastic. For me, the only thing that it suffered from is that I was still like just so hyped on the Paro Karat match. I was just like <laughs> still in that zone. Yeah, I was um I was going through um online today for um working on my article and I saw a um tweet that um Brett Lauderdale, the owner of um GCW, put out and he said that this was one of the best sh- best um, matches of the weekend. So um if the um if the promoter liked your match, hopefully that means you see more. Yeah, let's see some let's see some Shea Monet in Philadelphia is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah definitely. After that match, we got Sawyer Wreck versus Lindsay Snow. Uh, Sawyer is, of course, a GCW mainstay. We've seen Sawyer at a big gay brunch before. We think this is Lindsay's first big gay brunch. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it is. I'm pretty sure. I don't want to say, like, absolutely definite. Mm-hmm. I'm completely 100% confident, but I'm, I'm pretty sure. And how great is like Lindsay? Lindsay was in, um, what's that fucking, um, the, the job sport. She was in the blood sport um one year, but mm-hmm. um I don't think she was in brunch. I I'm so, I was so thrilled to see her in this zone. I was so thrilled to see her versus Sawyer Wreck. I, I, it's great. I like we got a beefy boy battle, and now mm-hmm. we're getting like monster lady battle. <laughs> yeah, and I like, think um Sawyer even um missed the show the day before. I think from food poisoning. So. Uh, um, she came back quick and um you know what what you this like kind of like what we said with dark cheek or paro um sawyer's gonna give you you know what sawyer's gonna give you you know what i mean mm-hmm. um now Lindsay is kind of like you could go any direction with Lindsay. she can go with you on the mat she can go with you um um with strikes she can go with you um hardcore style um i think she's she's very versatile is this the year that we get like is this is this a breakout year for Lindsay Snow? Um I really hope so. Um I don't think Lindsay takes shit from people and a lot of times in wrestling that doesn't work well for you. Yeah. If that makes sense, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I just always wonder why we don't see G- why we don't see Lindsay more in GCW. So mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like she fits great. Mm-hmm. Like because of her versatility in the ring, because of her gimmick, because of mm-hmm. her like her strong aesthetics, she's got she's got everything they need. She, yeah, she especially for a company like GCW, where you could put her in a death match, or yes. you could put her like in a traditional match, um, or blood sport like she's already been in. You know, so I mean, like yeah, pretty much everything. Yeah, I mean, I get it. GCW has a vibe that like is not going to work for every woman for every woman wrestler out there. Like it's. Mm-hmm. It, and that's that's the case for almost any promotion. But Lindsay seems like a slam dunk. So like <laughs> maybe even if like maybe even if I don't mean like breakout year for Lindsay, like is this the year where we see Lindsay Snow in like like consistently used by GCW? And maybe it's because of where she's based. Maybe it's like a location issue. But I I really think that she would make just a fantastic addition to like the regular roster of people used. Yeah, um, yeah, I just think everything about Lindsay is super cool. Like her look, mm-hmm. her her attitude. Um, you know, yeah, she has a great and she has a manager. She has a great manager. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
So like fantastic work. And I Nick Gage was Nick Gage is the big one. She's so bad. I, I, I feel like that is appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see that match. I want to see Nick Gage. I want to see that match. <laughs> And finally, of course, our main event was Bussy, Ali Catch, and Effie versus Mace Madden and Mansoor doing the circuit post uh, post release, mm-hmm. really owning it too. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm loving this energy of like, I'm out and I'm ready. I'm ready to be back where I want to be. I'm ready to be with the people I want to be with. I'm ready to wrestle where I wrestle at places that I came up through and then wrestle in those places that are indebted to the place I came up through. I'm just like, I'm really into Mansoor's like, I'm really into his like post release energy. Um, yeah. Mansoor um, had an incredible match. Um, with Dark, did you see the, the match at uh, um, Dark Cheek? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah that was, that was like with the first week of the year or something. And it was like, oh shit, got to get out my notepad for matches of the year already. You know? <laughs> so good. So good. And, and felt good. Like felt like a, felt like just a, it was a coming home essentially. And it, mm-hmm. it was so nice to see someone like get up like such an incredible match, like right out the gate for their year, right out their gate for their, their, like their new journey. their the new like chapter in their career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I thought um I thought this was a fun match. Um yeah. this went, you know, like everywhere you would expect this match to go. You yeah, know. Exactly. I think maybe if there's if I had one like tiny little thing, it's that like it kind of didn't do anything I didn't expect it to do, but like that feels like a stupid complaint to make when you're given when you're given all good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean I, it, my, I, I don't I think like they wanted to like go like overboard you know what i mean but um but yeah i did what the crowd wanted and um you know everyone had fun did the did the finish feel like rushed to you no i I thought the kiss finish was fine you know for for what the match was i mean i don't think you need a like a like a huge like huge moves to to put the match away what a kiss, too, man. Like, <laughs> I've, I've, okay, we've seen Effie kiss a lot of people, right? Like, lots of kissing, lots of kisses. Mm. That one, there was a little extra on that one. I wonder who's kissed more, Effie or Allie? Uh, Sawyer's getting up there, too. So, Sawyer's breaking out there. Man, everyone's kissing in GCW. It's a kissing promotion. <laughs> Get ready, collective weekend. There needs to be a new shirt, GCW, the kissing promotion. G- G- yeah, but like, game kissing wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> I wish that there is, wrong. is there a C is there a, like a synonym for kissing that starts with a C? Because all, all I can think of is like kissing, smooching. Oh, game crush promotion. Game crush. Game crushes wrestling. <laughs> Look out collective weekend. It's a, it's a kissing collective. It's a kissing collective. Yes. <laughs> Uh, t-shirts. Don, you, you and me, we need to make some t-shirts for the weekend. With, with like, little lipstick lips on it. Oh, yes. oh my god. Okay, yeah. We're gonna, we'll talk about it off air. <laughs> we're gonna get in trouble. I mean, yeah. Yeah, come for us, Brett. 
We're wearing pajama onesies to the brunch. We are making our own game kissing wrestling <laughs> t-shirts. So speaking of, who um is there anyone that you're gonna really want to see at the brunch for the collective? Oh, is there anyone like major that hasn't been on a brunch? I see like personally, I know with um progress coming. I'm hoping for like some of the European um people, like you know, some of like the e regulars. Um mm-hmm. like um like Jeddah would be freaking amazing. Oh my gosh, um, yeah. Uh, you know absolutely. or um um be down with some Jetta, be down with some Charlie Morgan. Um mm-hmm. like absolutely. Those are probably like two of the higher ones on my list. God, yeah. Please? Yeah. <laughs> can, I, can I can I put it out there? Can I can I put that uh that that wish out there? Um, and um with um TJPW having a couple shows, I'm hoping maybe Max can in, can get in there. Yeah, would nice to see it would be great to see Max back. Maybe maybe put Max in like a scramble, throw some points around, you know. You think we'll see some Benny? You think we'll see I don't is Benny did Benny get announced with the with the group from PJ Dub is I don't think I don't think she got announced with that group. Hmm. Yeah, I don't think so. Not not as of right now. I'm mm. I'm waiting to see things as they develop. I mean we got TJP, we've got uh, we've got DDT, we've got a bunch of, and uh, there's other like Joshi promotions coming in as well. There's so, other I mean, Joshi you could throw Mao in there, Mao in there too, right? Yeah. That'd be super fun. Mao at the at the Big A brunch. Dude, that'd be so fun. Please, 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 please. Oh, well, what's his tag? What's his tag team name? Uh oh no, oh no, we're gonna get we're gonna get canceled off the internet for not remembering. <laughs> I can't remember. Oh, my brain's broken. <laughs> French, French broken. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Him and Speedball at the brunch would be freaking awesome. Oh, my God. So, yep. Our next big gay brunch is going to be um, in April, first weekend of April during WrestleMania weekend, the collective weekend, as we better know it. Um, the, I don't know if there are still tickets available, so you'll have to check that I out. I think but, Abby said very few last time very I checked. Very few. So get your get your uh, GA tickets for that show and find me and Dawn and our other pals in tow. We'll be in pajama onesies. Feel free to wear one too. Join our crew. Join our, our game kissing crew. Our onesie crew. <laughs> game changer kissing crew. Game, game changing kissing crew. <laughs> I thought this was a great brunch. Um, this one definitely was in the like, in the the mold of like anything goes, everything goes, everything in, and I I love that energy into a big gay brunch. So I'm really excited to see where they take that in Philadelphia and to see how they kind of uh, double down on certain things. Um, really interested to see what they do with Paro in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Whether we're gonna get like another point plant. Or please, something like please, that. Please, please. That's what I want so badly. I want another tweet gauntlet. Please, 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 please. <laughs> I need to be in person for a tweet gauntlet, please. I need to see all the twigs. Okay, the 2024 Royal Rumble is in the books. I will say 
this for all of his negatives as a press conference guy triple h is pretty pretty good as a booker i like that we only have four matches i like that the show is a tight four hours um things like from a creative from, uh, from a fan watching a, a tv show perspective do you seem to be better or getting better yeah, this was my first time tuning into WWE since SummerSlam. So I've for the past couple of years, I've really just been watching Rumble, Mania, and SummerSlam because it's been, quite frankly, a little difficult to, um, with Kevin Dunn producing, watch what was happening. Um, literally, the camera work would just drive me nuts with all the quick cuts. So this yeah, was like I didn't even think of that, but he, he's gone now, so he wasn't on the show. No. He wasn't producing it. Yeah, I should have been looking for that going in, because I haven't watched since last year's War Rumble. Mm, my gosh, it's even longer. Yeah. Overall, um, I know a lot of people, especially in a Rumble match, you notice a lot of people complained that uh, they do need to get better entrance music for these oh for these wrestlers. Gosh, yes. I thought it was, I thought it was just me, because I haven't watched in a year, but every time the music went off, I was like, I don't know who that, who's coming out, what is this? And I'm just, and, oh my god, I'm sorry. Those 3D graphics are so fucking cheesy. I've never liked them. They always distract me. I'm like, what is this garbage? It doesn't look good. Like, just focus on the wrestler. Like, just give them a chance to shine and show who they are. You don't need these graphics. At least not like those, the 3D ones. Like, the the board graphics, the Jumbotron graphics make sense. But, like... Like, Damien Priest coming out and all of a sudden this hooded, like figure comes up on the screen and he fires an arrow and i'm like this is not making him look cool this is making him seem like dorky as hell it really does it really does undermine the cool factor like you can't look cool with those graphics on the screen you know how you can look cool all right you get some some boots that light up when you move 100 percent. you get your name written in your hair Yes! Oh my gosh! You get some glow in the dark gear. Uh, former TNA Knockouts Champion Trinity is back. Naomi, number two yeah. in the Rumble, right next to long-standing veteran Natalia. Natalia's coming up on I think 15 years. I know. In WWE now. Quite a long time, and I've got to tell you, not only did I audibly like gasp out loud when I saw Naomi enter. But my first words out of my mouth were, I hope she's getting paid because, oh, she has proven her worth. And I, I hope that she's got a nice contract here. I'd have to imagine that's like, because she had a much, she had a much lighter schedule on TNA. She only wrestled like 14 matches in that's 12 true. months. I didn't even think about that piece. So she had a yeah she had a later schedule there and she was top of the heap world champ so which I mean I love her but I'll be surprised if she's you know world like singles championship material in WWE again it feels like she'll be in the entire spot kind of back in the mid card maybe playing the the good hand to help the young girls get over hey. which maybe that's I fine think- you know maybe that's the thing maybe she's long enough in her career now that she's like a steady paycheck getting to travel with my husband every week that's enough for me i do feel like that's a big piece of it is being able to be with her husband is you know there's a certain amount of bullshit i think you're willing to put up with if you can be with um 
you know, that support system, the people that you you love and care about like that, whether they're actual family or chosen family. So I do think that's a big plus in the being back in the Fed column. Yeah, so I'm very, I'll be very interested to see where she, I presume she ended up on, well, actually, I don't know. See, I don't watch WWE to week, so I don't, I never remember which Uso she's married to. And I, I don't know which one's on Raw, which one's on SmackDown, which one's heel, which one's face. I can't keep track of that. She'll end up with uh, with her husband, which, whomever that is. Yep. She'll be in the extended uh, uh, family. There yes, the extended time. tribal uh, <laughs> That's right. Thanksgiving yeah. dinner. <laughs> Have to add a few more seats at the table. So Naomi is back. That's exciting. They let her go deep into the match. Although, to be fair, she spent like half an hour just sitting in the corner. <laughs> She really did have a lot of fun there, which is actually one of my critiques of this match is there was a lot of hanging out, resting in the corners uh, happening at times that was not the most exciting. But we can get into that as we move along, because that's not how it started. Uh, I thought the first four were a really great first four and Natalia, Naomi, Bailey, and Candace coming in. Uh, some really, like, they really set a tone um, for uh, the Rumble in terms of excitement, in terms of different styles of, of wrestling. Uh, and also just, like, some people who've been really crucial to the company over, you know, again, in Natalia's case, uh, the decade and a half, maybe even more than that at this point. Yeah, you know she's not going to win, but you put her in there early and you let her stick around Have for a good show. half hour 40 minutes because she's reliable she's great she'll self everybody she'll make everybody else look good um yeah she's great in that sense bailey getting to i think she i think she was in the match the longest at like 63 minutes or something she like that. was and i think it's actually it might be the longest women's performance in the rumble like the longest um, time like a winner of the Rumble has been in the match. If not top three, Ripley might have done it longer last year. I, I have to fact check on the on the minutes there. Yeah, but Bailey, especially heel Bailey, is so often portrayed as sort of like like not a serious threat. Like she loses a lot. She's really not. She's kind of like a pest heel in the same way Sami Zayn was. Mm-hmm. As a and she's heel. good at. She's she's good at she's good at everything, but that's but I think it behooves her to enter the match early like this last the whole thing because then it gives her credibility it makes her seem more like oh she didn't enter at number 29 and just like you know survived four or five people like this helps make her a more serious contender heading into wrestlemania and also having damage control in there at different points of the match also really helped with um building some of that too yeah, I was explaining. I, I watched. I had a buddy over who watches even less wrestling than me. Like he only watches if I invite him over for big shows. So he know he recognizes a couple of people. He's like, oh, whatever happened to uh, Finn Balor? Is he? I was like, that's him right there. He's like, oh, <laughs> that sort of thing. So I was explaining damage control to him, and I, in the way I'm explaining it, I'm really thinking, oh, we'll probably get Dakota Kai returning from injury tonight. We'll probably get Oscar and Kyrie in there, and they'll like dominate most of the match. It'll be like the four of them working together, and they'll eliminate a bunch of people. Didn't really work out that way. No, it didn't. Her and Oscar teamed up a little bit here and there, mm-hmm. but for the most part, her, Oscar and Kyrie got dumped fairly quickly. And that was one of the more shocking eliminations for me when that happened. That definitely like jolted me for a moment. 
Well, uh, everybody knows that tag wrestlers are not as good as singles wrestlers. So as soon as Asuka committed to the tag team, her like her strength went from like a, a ten down to like a seven. <laughs> <laughs> went from past Rumble winner to uh, now is there to throw some bodies around and get tossed. Yeah. So, as you said, good good four to start. We get the surprise. Naomi's back. We get Bailey top heel. We get uh, Natalia. Long-established veteran. Candice LeRae, also a veteran. Not really a, a threat, but there's always mid-carders in matches like this. And then number five goes off. And I don't recognize any of the music for any of these people. So I'm like, okay, I don't know. I'm not like, I'm not like, oh my God. It's, who is this? I'm just like, okay, yeah. yeah, music. And then motherfucking TNA knockouts champion, Jordan Grace comes walking out. And I am like, I'm like a fish out of water. Like my mouth is moving open and closed and I'm trying to convey to my buddy Matt like holy shit holy shit and he's, he doesn't know this is like what a big deal this is I'm like yeah. you don't understand this is insane right now and she's got the title with her too she's got the title Michael Cole I think referred to her as the knockouts champion uh-huh. we've big had, deal two years ago Mickey James entered the rumble as the knockouts champion I think she also came out with the title but that's different Mickey James was the long-standing WWE wrestler it felt like the veteran coming in and making an appearance in the same way that we saw with Kelly, uh, Kelly Kelly in the past. Jordan Grace never set foot on WWE ring before. Yep. <laughs> yep. Just straight up walked in and ah, it it made my heart a flutter a little bit. Yeah, it's just so cool. It's just so cool to see. <laughs> and then to for her and then let to let her and Naomi have that moment as well. We're like, mm-hmm. hey, it's you. What are you doing here? Oh, right. Mm-hmm. We've been fighting for like three months. Let's go. And then they just start mm-hmm. brawling again, picking up right where they were two weeks yeah. ago on Impact. It was very neat. It was, like we said, almost everybody in the match got like a moment when they entered the match. Most of the wrestlers after that point were kind of just sitting in the corner and didn't really get to do much yes. <laughs> later on. Like Naomi got her moments when she started the match. I don't remember her really doing anything of significance the remaining 45 minutes that was um, my one thing with jordan she had a couple of showdowns she had a showdown with ivy nile um the fellow like bodybuilder and i think she had a showdown with bianca maybe uh yes i think yeah it was the the showdown with uh bianca because that was the elimination that was how she got eliminated right and I said, I, again i said that to my buddy i was like okay oh, you don't understand she, this isn't just like oh somebody from another i'm like she's the top number one champion face of this other company. So if she's getting eliminated, she's not going to win. If she, when she gets eliminated, it's got to be by like somebody big, like a Becky or a Bianca. And sure enough, it's a, it's a Bianca. Mm-hmm. Which um, I, let me just say, I love Bianca Belair so much. Every time I see her, she just like, I just feel good. It's like a similar, but not the same feeling I get whenever I see Willow Nightingale. It's like, I just, they come on my screen and I'm like, Yes, I, whatever you're going to bring out to me right now, I'm here for all of it. You're going to make me feel good by the end of this match. Yeah, and so clearly the fact that she dumped Jordan Grace means we need Bianca to show up at the next TNA pay-per-view and challenge for the knockouts title. Oh my God, could you imagine? She's earned earned the right, it seems fair. You can do do the schmas, you can do a double count out, you can do Giselle Shaw shows up and attacks both of them. I'm okay with that. Just what let him wrestle for 15 minutes first. What a match that would be. It would. They would honestly, if that happened, 
TNA would get my vibe for that pay-per-view. Like, I wouldn't even have to question it. Like, take my money if you're making that match happen, TNA. In return on uh, SmackDown, uh, uh, Montez Ford versus Jonathan Gresham. There you go. That would be a good match. That, that the husbands battled it out to uh, Bill Key for the women. <laughs> Uh, I would say that that would be a good match, uh, though less less interested in that than Belair and uh, Jordan, though, to be fair. This one was interesting in terms of rumbles because we had no we didn't have any veterans. It, same with the men's, you know, there used, there used to be a period where we always had like, oh, my God, is Hacksaw Jim Duggan or something like that, making a making a one off appearance. It's oh, it's Booker T. He's back. We didn't get any veterans in this match. Yeah. We had arguably maybe just the three surprises: Naomi, which isn't wasn't a closely kept secret; Jordan, big surprise, and big Jade, surprise. Jade making her debut. Other big surprise. But otherwise, like, yeah, there was a bit of a lull in the middle of the match because it was mm-hmm. a lot of like, oh, it's Indy, it's Indy Hartwell, it's Tegan Knox, it's Chance and Carter and Zelina Vega, and it's like we know none of these people are winning, so it's hard to get like too like psyched up yeah. to see like to see them come running out. <laughs> and I want to run through some, this is where clearly a lot wasn't happening because my brain was just sort of wandering in terms of the other stuff. So some of my notes in this section are like, wow, the commentary is very distracting. Wow. The color is very, very bright. Is it too bright? Camera work is quite perspectiveless. It's a little unfocused and all over the place. This is not necessarily fun to watch. <laughs> so those are my notes in that stretch of the match. It was maybe more entertaining for me, like I said, because I haven't watched in a year. So I'm watching, I'm like, oh, Chance and Carter have matching gear now. That's cute. Whereas if I watched SmackDown every week, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have cared about that. <laughs> I'm like, oh, everybody's hair looks amazing. <laughs> That's uh, that's kind of my focus for the middle portion. The big... Also, the other note I had. Yeah. What the fuck are these names? Like some of the names on the younger NXT, like newer talents. Like, what are these names? Uh, Katana Chance. Like, that's not a name. Uh, there was another one that really just like outright offended me with how bad it was. Oh, this is like way later in the match when she enters. But Alba Fire. What a terrible terrible name alba fire is like that's not doing you any good and to give it to kaylee ray who the world knows kaylee ray off in the uk scene kaylee ray from uh, stardom like no we're gonna call her alba Uh uh-huh alba fire with a y it's not it's not good folks like you need uh, the developmental names have always been bad there but like Oh, do they feel like they're hitting a new low here? Ugh. <laughs> and, oh, and Katana Chance. Like, people, not a household name, but people knew the name Casey Kanazaro. They're like, oh, she was from American Ninja Warrior. She won exactly. whatever. So, like, why do that to her? Why give The Rock's daughter, why call her Ava Rain <laughs> instead of just Simone Johnson? Like, you really, you want, right. it's more important to you that you own this name than it is to, like, have somebody have rec- wrestle under a well, recognizable that name? Tell you everything about WWE and the way that it's been run uh, with that right there. It's more important to own somebody, to own a shitty name, that, than to uh, promote a good to, name, than to, uh, to actually like allow that to work with you. You know, it's uh, anyway. That is a rant that uh, I'm not the first to go on, nor will I be the last. But we can get back to where the match starts to get, I think, 
um, at least a couple little fun moments, like it kind of brought back a little bit of the momentum um, was that Kyrie near save um, when she was getting eliminated. Like she was like hanging off the apron using just like her forearms to hold her up and her feet were dangling like just right above. And for a minute you were like, oh, my gosh, is she going to get pulled in? But then, no, she can't hold it. I thought that was a really great little uh, near save. And then that was followed up like right with that Chelsea Green entrance, which she always pulls focus. She's so much fun. Um, she really knows how to work a crowd and also work the camera at the same time, which is a very difficult thing to do. Not everybody knows how to work both the crowd and the camera simultaneously, and she's very good at it. So I thought, and then also the um, Grace Belair elimination was right in the stretch as well. So we kind of had a little bit of um, a jolt of electricity coming back through the match in this little stretch, I felt. Yeah, Chelsea played the Billy Kay role of being like the, the core, like comedy figure yeah. for the match, getting just constantly squashed by Nia Jax and Piper Niven and getting flattened, steamrolled. Nia, it's around this point, Nia starts to get the monster treatment where she's raked on a bunch of people and it's clear that they're building her up as like, this is the big show moment where somebody, somebody big is going to come in and toss her out. The question mm-hmm. is, who's it going to be? Yes. And then, uh, of course, we get our truth accidentally entering the wrong match. That's just, that's just classic. Like, you have to laugh about it. I did. I did find that a lot of fun. Um, uh, also, because like I very much love our truth. I think one man looks great. He looks like he hasn't aged in decades. And uh, learning about like his recent health struggle, um, just incredible that he's he's looking that good and that healthy and that strong um good on your r-truth uh lots of love out for you there um another thing just before we uh naya jackson entered and that whole um moment changed another reason i felt that there was um a little bit of like so there was like that little bit of a pop with chelsea green and some of like you know the the comedy spots that you mentioned and then it took like another little lull at that point and i really think a big point of that low was that so many of the people that the crowd was really really hot on when they entered like Oscar and Kyrie and Jordan were no longer in the match so the match had a lot of people in it but not a lot of the people that like really were firing up the crowd when they entered so I think that also was another weird spot of the booking is like it started on a high and then it lulled and then it had a little bit of a peak and then it lulled again um before like the final push which was the ending was fantastic but we don't have to get there yet yeah again the surprises were all kind of like stacked to the front of the end you know we get naomi at two we get jordan grace at five mm-hmm. uh, we get in terms of nxt representation we only get two people from nxt it's the two most obvious candidates roxanne perez and tiffany stratton mm-hmm. i gotta assume they're both going to be full-time on raw and smackdown by the summer because they've been ready to go for a while. I imagine. And Roxanne is so, it's particularly, is just so talented and so full of potential. She's just a superstar in the making. Yeah, and getting to say to my buddy, like, hey, she's been on Grid and Glitter. Just like, <laughs> I'm going to boast about that for the rest of my life. <laughs> but they came in, again, they came in at 27 and 29, so they're like right at the end. We're up to the 26th entrance, and I'm like, there's really nobody from NXT? There were some years there, like in peak NXT, when... They'd have like seven or eight people on the Rumble. Sometimes, yeah. 
Yeah, so in, uh, interesting to to weight it that way, where the the middle is kind of kind of just a lot of people that nobody takes serious as winners. It's like you, and it's also a weird booking because in the in the collective memory of this match, it's just going to sort of be the beginning of the match and the end of the match, and the middle just sort of fell away entirely in some ways. Um, but they did get it back at the end with the two NXT entrants that you mentioned, and then sandwiched between them was Jade Cargill, which got me so 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 stoked. Um, the standoff with uh, Nia Jax just felt like at that moment of the match, the biggest moment to that point, the crowd loved, loved, loved Jade Cargill and was so stoked on getting to see um, Cargill take out Nia Jax in the elimination. So that was like a hot moment. It was the right person. It was the right point like really begin to elevate the energy for push. Yeah, she looked great. I ha- I had to assume this was where she was going to debut. I mean, this is her first match in WWE. I yeah, I was going to say, I thought she should win the whole thing. I thought, you want to make her a big-time star? Have her first match ever be the Bumble, and she wins it. Like, nobody's done that. Yeah, but that's where her training's there. You know, if if we don't know what her progress has been like at the Performance Center, um, I'm assuming she's because uh, she clearly works hard at, at what they're trying to go for is going to be successful, but she might not be ready to win the whole Rumble yet and carry that responsibility. Uh, we just don't know how her skill set has developed. No, but they did let her eliminate Naomi and Becky Lynch. Yes, so they did. That's that's a resume. <laughs> and yes. then... it was a big, it was a big big showing for her. It was a great debut. And they teased what I think is going to be her WrestleMania match when she had a face-to-face with Bianca. So Bailey eliminates Bianca and Tiffany Stratton. We have our final three. Bailey, Jade Cargill, Liv Morgan. Do you have strong feelings about Liv Morgan? I like Liv Morgan. I uh, There's just something about her that I find very charming. Um, I don't know... I don't know if I could put my finger on exactly what it is. I just, I think part of it is, uh, you know, I'm originally from New York and I live in Pennsylvania. So I just, there's a lot of Jersey people in my life. And I just think there's just something in that, that kind of personality that it reminds me of a number of people that I know and is just very endearing to me. So I, I kind of like, I kind of love her a little bit um, for whatever reason it might be. I'm just very endeared to her. Yeah, I know there's I know there's a lot of people who ride hard for her. I've never I guess I've never seen enough matches or promos to really know why or know like what it is specifically. Is it just the underdog nature of like they like her and she just has never gotten the ball in a big way? I know she was champ SmackDown champ I think one time, but it from what I can gather it wasn't a very long or memorable reign. So I know people love her. I was surprised to see her in the final three. She was final two last year as well. So I was surprised to see her at the end and quite surprised to see her eliminate Jade because, like I said, I thought Jade should win the whole thing. And I really, like, as a part-time viewer, I don't view Liv as being, like, on the same level of a Jade or a Becky Lynch. Like, I view her as being, like, a like a Tegan Knox. 
Um, so you had a similar sort of uh, thought process to my husband when we were watching the match. He was thinking that Jade could win it all. And I was like, I don't think that's going to happen. I think whoever the final two are in the match are going to team up and eliminate Jade. Um, I, I just have a feeling it's, that's what it's going to play out to be. And sure enough, that is what it played out to be was, you know, um, Bailey and Liv sort of each working to take Jade out of, of the match. Um, and what I actually loved even more than that was the just absolute quick follow-up on that with Bailey taking out Liv. It was like Jade went and then Liv went with a beat afterwards and it didn't even give you much time to process as a viewer, like the eliminations that were playing out. And I loved how, how just absolute, um, um, just how fast and decisive that ending was. It was like, nope, I'm winning because I'm Bailey, and it's great. <laughs> I believe Bailey is the fourth of the horsewomen to win the Rumble. She's always, she's almost always like fourth in the four yeah. horsewomen through no fault of her own. It's just like when the other three got called up from NXT, she stuck around because Triple H needed somebody to stick around. He couldn't lose everybody all at once. So it just feels like she's always always working from behind to earn the same opportunities that are handed to Charlotte and to prove herself in a way that like Becky and uh, Mercedes get to. So mm-hmm. cool for her to win. And I would have Very to stoked. suspect this is leading to her challenging Io Sky at WrestleMania, Bailey turning face for the first time in years. And, and that's what I was summer. Presumably she wins and spends the summer going on like a big baby face run against EO and Dakota and Asuka and whoever else. It seems like the the natural path to take with that. I mean, there's clear history. Uh, there's a, a reason why Bailey would want to make that choice. So it all logics out when you think about it from like a character development and story development way. Um, but also it would just be a banger of a match like. Io Sky versus Bailey in a in a main event mania match sounds pretty fantastic if you ask me. And Triple H is in charge again, so we know a he loves Bailey, knows how to book her mm-hmm. well. He's the one who started true. her whole NXT thing. B we know that him and uh, Shawn Michaels love to repeat and call back to their old storylines. So while we that wait for Bailey true. to announce she's facing Io, while we wait for things to fall apart there. I get a feeling it would be very, like, Evolution, Batista turning on the gang. I can see that, yeah. One of those, like, right. we know we, we know what we want to see. Is she going to make the decision? When is she going to do it? How is it going to happen? If that's our one match, we got Rhea Ripley on the other side of things. Is it just Ripley and Becky Lynch? Is that the, the biggest match possible? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I could see... Ripley Belair, I could see, um, I mean, look, if you want to try to give Jade a big moment, even potentially a Ripley Jade, though, I don't think that works out well for Jade if you try to book that. Um, cause I just think again, there's, there's an inexperienced, um, not like an inexperienced thing in terms of like, she can't wrestle, but an inexperienced thing in terms of she's brand new into the company. Uh, and um, part of the reason why she chose to go with WWE is that they would give her more training than she was getting in her previous spot. Right. So given that that's part of the justification of going there, 
Uh, I do think it should be a little bit more time before Jade's put in a, in a major title picture, but there is a potential path there. Um, honestly, having not really, again, been watching the week to week stuff, just sort of keeping, you know, seeing clips as they kind of come through social media feeds. <sighs> yeah, Becky or Bianca really are the two names that seem most viable. Well, and before we get to WrestleMania, we have one more pay-per-view. Elimination Chamber, February 24th, in Australia. So, I would have to imagine, since she didn't wrestle on this show, Rhea Ripley is going to defend the title in the Elimination Chamber first? Mm, Does that make sense? Or do they do that, a number one, or do they do like a number one contender Elimination Chamber match? I guess they could really do it either way. Because, I mean, there's no clear challenger for Ripley, in my understanding. So that would be a way to give her a, a number one contender um, without having to, like, do any kind of narrative writing. It's, like, a real just kind of easy way to build a match in a short amount of time. Um, I would hope <laughs> that they're going to put Rhea Ripley in a match when they're in Australia because that seems... Uh, yeah, I mean, look, it doesn't matter where you are. I feel like that's what the fans want to see. I was a little sad last night when I realized I was not going to get to see more of Mommy other than just a quick cut backstage here or there. Like, let me fawn. Let me watch her beat people up, please. It makes me happy. All right, I'm going to fantasy book. Elimination, Ripley defends in the Elimination Chamber. Okay, let's it go. comes down to her and Becky's the final two. Becky gets screwed by Dominic and Damien Priest and all them. So Ripley retains, but Becky's given a reason to be deserving of a rematch at WrestleMania. It sounds like a WWE match. That's yeah. I mean, the the mommy versus the padre. I guess. Yes. <laughs> uh, versus El Hombre. Yeah, mommy versus the man. Yeah. There you go. You. you, you I can see that on the side of a bus. <laughs> uh, that's really what you need to do to sell WrestleMania. Can you picture it on the side of a bus? Or on the back of a collectible folding chair. <laughs> if I ever see a WWE collectible folding chair in the wild at a thrift store, I'm absolutely going to buy it just for the novelty of it. I don't even care what the event is. I just feel like it's kitsch and I need something like that in my house just for just to say I I have it. But I can't pay full price for it. I'm talking like, you know, Three dollar thrift store find here. Not happening. My sister works at a <laughs> thrift store in London, Ontario, not far from me. And one came through about a year or so ago. She told me, and they were they sold for like one twenty. Oh damn! No, that I'm not paying that shit. <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't even think it was autographed. I think it was just like WrestleMania 2019 thrift store oh, chair. No. And people are like, yeah. You know, her boss looked on eBay and said people will pay 120 and that's what we're charging. No, I'm talking like find it in the VHS like bin. A, You're like, oh, crap, I didn't yeah. know if they had. Maybe so at a I'm yard sale. Get... Oh, yard sale might be the best place because someone's just trying to get rid of it. All right, that is our show. Thank you for listening. Thank you, everybody, for being here with us and supporting women's wrestling and not being a creep. You can support us on Instagram, Twitter, or Patreon at Grit Glitter Pod. 
it gets you bonus podcasts, it gets you stuff from the archives, it gives us an opportunity to collect all your money, put it in a big pot, and then give it to promotions like Enjoy Wrestling and Hood Slam and sponsor these different organizations, which we love. Mm-hmm. I can't promise we'll do an episode on WrestleMania in 70 days, but maybe we will. You know, give me Jade and Bianca and we'll, we'll I'll think about it. Depends on the caliber, the quality of the match, you know. What what are you selling us, WWE? Make us make us want to talk. Make us want to watch. Yeah, give me Jordan Grace versus uh, anybody. Honestly, give me her. Give me her Bianca, and Natalia on the free for all. Bianca, Jordan and Bianca. Let me see it. Run it. Every. Oh, I want to see that match. 